Hey guys. And girls. Welcome, welcome to, to Single to Sealed. Sealed. I'm Jerry, your host, and here with me is my co-host and wife, Brianna. As members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, we have dedicated this podcast to helping fellow Christians navigate the treacherous waters of dating all the way to the winding roads of marriage. All are welcome in our podcast family, and we are so excited to have you here with us. Be sure to subscribe, follow, or favorite. Let's talk. Hello, podcast family. It is Brianna and... Jerry <laughs> And... Tanisha! <laughs> My good friend, or our good friend, Tanisha Shedden, is joining us today for this episode. Today's episode, like you guys saw in the title, is Contention Prevention, which is something that we came up with Tanisha as a name for the amazing communication and de-escalation skills she is sharing with us today in this episode. So stay tuned for some awesome content. To introduce Tanisha a little bit to you guys, she is one of my oldest friends that I have. We met in, correct me if I'm wrong, eighth grade seminary class in Utah <laughs> at Sunset Ridge yep. Middle School. <laughs> and since then, we've been friends. We've had our ups and downs, but we've stayed pretty fairly close uh, friendship level wise for the past now 10 years or so. <laughs> yeah. And now we're what, 1500 miles away from each other. Where are you <laughs> at right now, Tanisha? I live in Rexburg, Idaho. Probably and the same place as a lot of our listeners. You didn't yeah. you didn't sound like <laughs> I'm in Rexburg, Idaho. Oh yeah. It was like <laughs> <laughs> I'm Sorry. in Rexburg, Idaho. Uh, <laughs> so do you actually like living there or what? You know, we're in the middle of winter and just to tell you how how much I love this place. I almost crashed my car this morning trying to stop. I pulled my e-brake, drifted off the road, and a guy had to push me out of the snow. And this guy was so gracious. Jesus loved him. He came out with a cigarette still in his mouth and pushing my car as he's like inhaling on a cigarette. It was just, it was funny. <laughs> but like winter and me in Rexburg just don't get along like we did in Salt Lake because we have extreme weather here. So I enjoy it, but I would just change a few things about it. One of them being the weather. <laughs> so if you could be anywhere else but Rexburg, you would be probably more like Miami. But you're in Rexburg. Why are you in Rexburg, Tanisha? What are you doing over there? Um, I'm in Rexburg. I went to BYU-Idaho, and that's where I met my husband. I studied marriage and family studies there, and then me and my husband met at the BYU-Idaho gym, and we got married in 2017. We're coming up on our fourth year of marriage in April. I've been doing my master's degree here at Northwest Nazarene University, I'm getting my master's in social work, and I'm intern counseling with Upper Valley Counseling and Resource, and part-time at Juvenile Probation. And I also work full-time at Pearl Health Clinic. I forgot to mention that. So you don't have your hands full at all. Yeah, and then on top a, of that, you guys have children at home. You guys have two babies. <laughs> <laughs> You're cute. We have two fur babies. We don't have any... We don't have any... Uh, earthly children of god yet <laughs> but we definitely <laughs> i don't know how to phrase that like human babies <laughs> the earthly children of god well nice. i must say their fur babies are better behaved than my children so <laughs> <laughs> fur babies don't have as many choices though like they don't you know 
get the ball, not get the ball, lay down on the couch, not lay down, you know? <laughs> and unfortunately, we can't lock our earthly children in kennels when they're being, when they're misbehaving, so. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that would be terrifying. That would be child abuse. I would yes, be worried about you. <laughs> so, Tanisha, do you want to share a little bit about your background, like your relationship journey with your now husband, how you got there, and kind of give us a little background on you guys? Yeah, so we got married in the Payson, Utah temple and we've been married. We're coming up on our fourth year of marriage and, you know, we've learned a lot through our relationship about how to communicate better. I think we were terrible communicators when we first got married. Uh, now we're just mediocre communicators. We moved up. That's moving up. Um, but really we are, you know, we've always been the kind of people to be, we're kind of both strong headed and we've kind of learned through our relationship that we need to be patient with each other and that we need to communicate better and just not not get into anything serious when we're going to be stubborn. And learning to humble ourselves has been a big part of our relationship. And so, yeah, that's our relationship journey. And And I know that you and your husband, as well as my husband and myself, we all come from some form of rougher background or broken family you could call it do you think that plays a role in the struggles with with communication that you guys have had like you said and that Jerry and I I know we have had do you think background does play a role in that I think it does and I think it depends on what role you played in the communication styles in your background like if you had a family that you're all yellers and you all yell and you were part of that you're definitely going to be a yeller and I think you know, for me and my husband, we're very different. We're very unique. We were both adopted um, under completely different circumstances. So my husband was adopted out of the foster care system by his aunt and uncle, who we, he calls mom and dad. And I was adopted at birth. My family is very quiet, very calm, and they're almost to a flaw, quiet and calm. They will keep secrets and do anything to avoid hurting someone else's feelings, but they will withhold communication and almost avoid conflict entirely. And then Chad's family is very forthright, very blunt. As long as you know how they feel and as long as you understand what they're saying, they don't care about your feelings. So very, very opposite backgrounds. You know, Chad comes from this overly honest and very communicative family and I come from this like okay we say what we need to say but we definitely don't hurt people's feelings if it's going to hurt their feelings we'd rather just not tell them the truth <laughs> so we're a little bit opposite that way so I could definitely relate to that concept of communication within the home I feel like that's something that kind of applies to my life how you know people people within our family we were very direct and blunt about certain things and didn't really add much emotion to it. And I feel like that's how I am even now. Just someone does something. I'm just like, why would you do that? <laughs> why would you do that? That's so stupid. Like I'm just saying what's in my head and Rihanna looks at me like, Oh my gosh, she just called me stupid. And I'm like, well, I didn't call you stupid. Like the action was stupid. And then we start fighting about like that whole, like <laughs> that whole dynamic. And it's probably not a good way to communicate, but i definitely feel like I picked that up probably from my background, no shame on my family, you know, but that's just, uh, that's just how we communicated. And so it, it, there are better ways to communicate and all of our families probably have some that rub off on us. That's not the best, 
And so that's kind of why we're doing this podcast today is to give us some tools that will allow us to improve that communication as long as we're willing to practice uh, new skills and ways to not only help ourselves be better communicators, but allow other people who we're communicating with to feel more love and respect from you. It's okay to still appreciate your background and how you grew up and your parents and what they did for you and also recognize, you know, places that communication could have been approved and how you could have avoided lots of things. Your parents could have avoided arguments in their communication. And it's okay to also recognize that arguments are healthy. I remember I dated a guy who used to tell me that we would never work because we got into arguments. And the thing is, is if you're not arguing about something, then one of you isn't being honest. So this is why communication is important because there are going to be arguments in your relationship. You are going to have moments where you disagree, believe it or not. (laughs) And (laughs) it's going to happen a lot. So from your experience, Nisha, if we don't have healthy communication skills, what can happen with our relationships? From my experience, I've seen a lot of resentment build, unresolved fights, unhappy partnerships, abuse, anger. I've also seen another side to it other than that building. It's it's the inability to speak speak your voice. And this is how oppression can become a part of a relationship when you have someone that's a very dominant personality and then you're the one that's kind of quiet and you're not willing to speak your voice or speak your opinion. So you feel terrified of talking about the truth and terrified of sharing what really matters to you. So it can go both ways. It could be, it could lead to a lot of anger and then it can also lead to a lot of sadness. If you can't communicate with the other person, you can't be understood and you can't be heard and not feeling heard is one of the most, I don't like to use this word lightly, but it's a very oppressive feeling. Yeah, I mean, we have plenty of examples of what the Lord has in store for us as far as communication goes. He, you know, we see scriptures like, uh, let your speech always have grace and let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. You know, we've, we've all heard those scriptures. I think one of those is in Ephesians. Not sure where the first one was. That's just something that we should improve on in general, just in our in our day-to-day lives, as the scriptures also point out to us that this is something that we should be improving on. I agree. I think I think Christ gave us that perfect example of communication. He gave us the example of when to speak, when not to speak, and how to be direct and loving at the same time. So in the scriptures, I always think of the record of Herod. I always, it's one of my favorite records, actually. It's the saddest one, but Christ didn't speak to Herod, and Herod is the only person in Christ's ministry who he did not speak to, because at that point, there's nothing to say. Um, Herod was hurting him, Herod was abusing him, and Christ just, you know, was patient and didn't say anything, because there was just nothing to say. And in other examples, you know, he was very blunt and he was loving and he told what the Lord would have wanted him to tell. And he didn't do it in, you know, an an overly strong way that deterred people from listening to him. He, He spoke truth, bold, but not overbearing. Thank you for sharing that. I think it's important to be able to recognize in our relationships to have a healthy communication. When is the time to speak and when the time to not speak is. (laughs) I feel like sometimes when we speak out of just pure anger, that's when a lot of hurtful things get said. I know from my side of 
of things as well to jur- in jury side as a as a married couple sometimes you say things that you don't mean just in the heat of the moment so that all leads back to having that healthy communication so to jump into what you're going to share with us today tanisha the three tips on contention prevention would you like to introduce those to our listeners today Absolutely. So three things that can prevent contention in your relationship and just in your life in general include setting boundaries, using I statements, and being mindful in the conversation, which I will explain further when we get there. First one is setting boundaries. So setting boundaries in relationships can be difficult when you're telling another person you're basically telling another person, hey, I don't like it when you do that, or this makes me feel uncomfortable, or whatever it may be. So a boundary that I like to talk about is the law of chastity. That is a boundary in itself that, as members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, we have upheld in our in our gospel, and we've also been told to by prophets and our church leaders to live the law of chastity. And so that's a boundary in itself. But holding that up in a relationship can be difficult because we want to express our love and affection. um, And we have feelings and our body naturally has the hormones and everything go in that direction. So to set a relationship boundary, when it comes to the law of chastity, you would sit down with the person that you're dating or person that you're engaged to and you'd say okay I noticed that we're struggling to keep the law of chastity I would like to set some boundaries in our relationship to help us keep it something that was recommended to me and my husband when we were engaged was to make sure that we weren't alone very frequently so not spending time alone so that conversation was like okay I want to follow what our bishop said let's not spend too much time alone and Let's, when we're in a room, let's not sit directly next to each other on the couch. So you actually sit by the arms of the couch sometimes and not actually sit directly next to each other. And relationships kind of struggle with this, struggle to set these boundaries, but it's important to come up with ideas collaboratively to set a boundary for that, especially when it comes specifically to chastity. I think that the concept of boundaries is so important because it's that setting up those expectations that you want from the other individual, just something we've talked about multiple times. And I think that when we set boundaries, it also shows that we care about the interest of the other person more than just ourselves, right? Because these boundaries, when it comes to relationship, like you can, you can always set boundaries for yourself at any point in life. But when you're setting a boundary with you and your partner, like you said, it's inclusive. You guys make them make them together, then it shows that I think you're on a good path already to have more success in any potential relationship improving in the future. Boundaries help you show your love for others. If you say, hey, you know, I don't feel comfortable with, I don't feel comfortable with you putting your hand that far up my leg or whatever it is, you know, that's kind of a silly example, but it's chastity, right? So I don't feel comfortable with that. You know, can we talk about something else. Whatever you want to say, you can just let the other person know. So it's about using your voice and also respecting the voice of the other person. And that's good. I really like the way that you're phrasing those boundaries. Is that an example of the I statements that you're referring to? 
Yes. And we could lead into that. So number two is I statements. And using an I statement is really about saying, I feel comfortable. I feel uncomfortable. I feel sad. I feel happy. It's about communicating the emotions that you have. And it's also about stating the facts of the situation. So for example, with a chastity one. When I was at BYU, Idaho, and we had curfew, I was never on time for a curfew. And I asked my roommates to keep me accountable for curfew. And it still didn't work out. So my, when I was dating my husband, he was the one that really helped me keep the curfew. And that conversation, what it would look like is, hey, Tanisha, I noticed that we are often staying up past the curfew and we're not getting back where we need to be in our apartments on time. What can we do to make that happen? Working together and stating, hey, I noticed this thing. I noticed that we're late for curfew often and I feel guilty about being home late and I feel uncomfortable doing that. Can we work together to be home on time? And after that, you can decide what you do. Do you set a phone timer? Do you, um, do you have your roommate call you at midnight? Whatever it is, you can work that out. But starting that conversation is about just stating the facts. I noticed this and I feel this about it. I really like both of those two tips you just shared. And I was noticing as you were sharing them that in order to have healthy communication, it is totally teamwork on both ends. I mean, when you talk about the first point of setting boundaries, you can set all the boundaries you want, but if your significant other isn't willing to accept those boundaries and help you keep them and support you in those and respect your boundaries, then it's not going to work. And the same thing with the I statements. If your partner is not willing to work with you and come up with goals to improve on what you feel you need to improve on as a couple, then you won't get anywhere. I mean, a yeah. relationship is very much two people. And I know that sounds, you know, obvious to say that, but it, it's so important when you're looking for a significant other or you're dating someone, if you're noticing that you're setting these boundaries or you're having these conversations and you're using the I statements, you're doing your best to improve on your communication, improve as a couple, and you notice they're not trying at all, or they're not unwilling to have these conversations with you, that right there should be a huge red flag. Uh, because if you're going to have a successful relationship, you have to have someone who's going to work alongside you and be willing to help you uphold those boundaries and those corrections that you're trying to make in your life and in your relationship. I like that, Brianna. I, th- I think that we have to be open to criticisms. And I think that this gives us a chance, too, to see if the person that we're dating isn't open to criticisms. Not only that, but it's obvious that somebody who's using the I, we versus the you is making an effort to respect your feelings. I think it's so hard to misunderstand that. If, if, if Brianna came up to me and said, hey, I really want to have a clean house and I notice that we're not so good about picking our clothes up off the floor. No, obviously she's referring to my socks again. <laughs> she said, what can we do to improve that? Like instantly I would know she's talking about my socks, but I would know she's being sweet and trying hard to help us see together how we can set this goal. Like she's not, it came from a place of love and not from blame. So if you find someone that you do that with, and now 
they're saying, oh, you're just doing that, but you're really blaming me. Like, that's a bad attitude. And I'd say that's another red flag for somebody who's too busy feeling themselves and looking to be called out instead of noticing that the person who's who's pointing this out is doing it at a place of love and trying to work together as a team. Thinking about what you're saying, I remembered something that one of the marriage counselor that me and Chad saw actually. So we, yes, we went to marriage counseling and it was so helpful for our relationship, especially when we first got married. I think, you know, we came from backgrounds that didn't know how to communicate and we just had some struggles. And so we were like, okay, let's go to marriage counseling. Let's see if someone can help mediate us and help us communicate better. And he's the first person other than my degree that taught me really how to get inside my own space and talk about things with my husband and be vulnerable. And so one of the things he told me is that he said, Satan is the great accuser. When you come at your loved one and you, you know, I'm using you language, but what, so when I come at my loved one and I say, you're not doing this right. You keep messing up. I don't like, you know, you're leaving your socks all over the floor and you're running around like I'm the only person that cleans the house and and I just don't like it. Blah, blah, blah. When you're pointing your finger at the other person, you're accusing them. I feel like the Lord wants us to have, of course, a happy marriage and a healthy marriage. And one of the only ways we can have that is starting with good communication. And I feel like a lot of times when we're dating, when we're in those early stages of relationships, I know I did this a lot when I was dating people is I would tell myself, you know, it, I don't need to bring this up because after we get married, it'll be different, <laughs> you know, and or after we get married, we'll solve this kind of thing. But these habits have to start way before you get married. These communication habits and, and learning how to speak effectively and with love with your significant other has to start way earlier than than the temple <laughs> at the altar. <laughs> I mean, going through the temple is is beautiful and and wonderful but it's not a magic spell that makes your relationship perfect. And so these are all things that should be put in practice way before you get married. And if you are unwilling to do that, then you're, you're really giving your marriage a bad start. And I would totally like to add that you don't have to have major issues before you do marriage counseling. So if you're with somebody and you're going to get married, it's not even bad to talk about or discuss like doing marriage counseling from the beginning. We know people today who still do marriage counseling once a week and they've been doing it for a long time. Not that they know any like major issues they're having in the relationship, but that there's constantly feedback and another person's perspective, like helping them to constantly improve themselves. So it might be better off even to learn some of those skills that it's hard to learn on your own before you have major issues. Just to add on to what Jerry's saying, you know, people give therapy a bad name or or going to see a counselor a bad name, but it is very helpful and it's better to seek it early rather than too late. As someone that's, you know, I'm an intern, so I'm practicing counseling and as someone that wants to help people, I can genuinely say like it hurts my heart when people have such a strong stigma against counseling because mm -hmm. all we want to do is help you. And all we want to do is be able to get you to a better place and get you to a point where you feel okay, where you can thrive in your life. And so sometimes, you know, it's like, I don't know, sometimes 
as a healer, as a person that wants to heal and help other people and be a guide for them, I don't want to fix every single thing in their life. And I think it can be hard for people to be vulnerable, but I just want people to feel like they have somewhere to go. And so sometimes when people are like, oh, we don't do that. We don't believe in that. I'm like, oh, but it could help you so much. <laughs> yep. Yeah, and it's definitely good to have somebody that's not a direct uh, figure in your life that you can share that those uh, difficult parts of your relationship with that will give you no extra judgment. So thanks for bringing that up. Yeah. All right, so what's point number three? Point number three is being mindful in the conversation. So what that means is that during this conversation, you're going to pay attention to, you're going to pay attention to how you're reacting to the other person and what your body's doing. So that's the first part of it. So if your heart's beating really fast and you're getting hot, you know, you're getting mad, right? If you notice that during this conversation, you just start to feel like an urge to just run or whatever it is, you're starting to feel emotions build up, then you should look at that and you should be like, okay, maybe I need to calm down before, before I talk more to the other person. The other part about being mindful in the conversation is staying goal directed and focus on what the conversation is about. So this is why. Um, as Gottman said, Gottman is a therapist that is very renowned for marriage and family therapy. He basically did so much research to break ground in marriage and family therapy. But he always said that couples argue about the drapes, the curtains, the bed sheets, the laundry, things that just don't matter. And the reason why they do this is because they can't stay on the topic. They follow the emotions. And so you need to stay focused on what you're talking about. So if we're talking about, for example, that I brought up, if we're talking about the, the focus on chastity, we're not going to go to the past and say, well, before this was a problem before, we're not going to go to the future and be like, well, what if this continues to be a problem? Because that's following your emotion. Anxiety goes to the future. You're, you're following your anxiety to the future that says this is going to keep happening. And then you're following into the past and says, oh my goodness, this resentment I'm following, it, it's happened before. So obviously it'll happen again. So in a conversation, we just want to stay focused on, okay, we're talking about how we're going to keep the law of chassis, or we're focused on how we're going to be on time to where we need to be, or we're going to be focused on um, how we're going to read our scriptures and pray together, whatever it is. A lot of passions can rise up through conversations, but whatever it is, stay on topic. So I'd like to use a more passionate topic. What's something that would get you guys fired up? The <laughs> the dirty socks on the floor, maybe? Hmm. I'm trying to think of what like our biggest thing that we always argue about is probably parenting. Okay. Parenting is a big point of contention between us, I think, which is pretty normal for new parents. Yeah. Um, but I think a lot of times... I don't know if Jerry does something that I don't like. If he reprimands eat in a certain way, I get upset. And then he feels like I'm attacking him as a parent. And then I just feel like I'm defending Eden as a child. And then, you know, it just becomes this whole downward spiral of, you know, Jerry thinks basically I'm attacking him and, you know, it just like <laughs> goes around in circles. So I, I can totally see the pattern that you're talking about when we get in arguments, 
sometimes I will think, okay, well, Jerry's done this before. He's, you know, I don't know, let's say he's raised his voice even a certain way before. And I'm like, oh, this is just horrible. But, and, and that's going back. That's not staying present in the moment and taking the situation as this situation is by itself. So I can, I can totally see that. Yeah. It's that I remember you did this and I was thinking that TikTok. I remember, yeah. I remember when I lost, you know, I remember all the way back in time. <laughs> you're going to, and this is something that women tend to do, but men do it too. You know, everybody can, everybody can do this, but mm-hmm. you'll go back and say, well, you did this and you did this. And here's all this evidence that you are like that. And you're not accepting accountability for that. And then you could go to the future and be like, you're going to keep doing this. You've proven that you can, you're going to keep doing this. And that is, that Satan is the great accuser coming out again. It's that big statement that's saying you were like this before, you're going to be like this in the future. And it's not holding up who your partner is as a son or daughter of God. It is taking that down and it's kind of dehumanizing it and turning it into, guess what? You're the same as you've always been and you're always going to be the same as you've always been. It's not looking into the divine potential that we all have as children of God. And if we look at it from the perspective that we all have divine potential as children of God and that we can grow and that we can learn, then we're not going to hold the past transgressions against our partner because we believe in the atonement of Jesus Christ and we believe that he healed those. And we're not going to look too far in the present because that stuff hasn't happened yet. And so that's what mindfulness is all about. It's staying in the present and believing and supporting a partner in their true divine potential. Well, and I think to add on to what you're saying, because it's amazing, that also when we say those kinds of things to our partner and we think those things to ourselves, we're kind of putting our partner in a box and saying that they can never grow beyond that. Mm-hmm. And when you do that to someone, does that make them want to grow or does that make them want to stay how they are? I mean, mm-hmm. no one wants to grow if someone tells you, you've always been this way, you're always going to be this way. That doesn't encourage you to grow or to encourage them you to better yourself as a person it does quite the opposite i really like what you said in the beginning about mindfulness of your emotions mm-hmm. because like when you get really upset you said like you have a hard time maybe formulating what you want to say mm-hmm. i know this happens to me if you get too upset then you start to lose track of what you were even arguing about anymore in the first place like what the what the original conflict was now you're upset and you're being increasingly upset about something else or now what this person is is saying about what you said to them <laughs> and just this continues to build to a point where we're losing losing the topic so like you said like the anger moves into forgetting the point you know and we and for Brianna and I that can even come to a point where we don't even remember what we were fighting about in the first place mm-hmm. you know and so let's say we want to take a break and then we want to talk about this the next day so that's just leave it there. We'll talk about it tomorrow. We'll come back tomorrow. And then we end up being mad still because it's like, oh, no, this is how it happened. No, this is how it happened. Because we're so worked up <laughs> that now we're fighting about how the details of the event happened. We always mm-hmm. joke about how we should have recorded what we were <laughs> upset about before we dropped mm-hmm. the subject because now we can't remember what we were Yeah, I'm like, about. I just need to put cameras in all my in all the rooms <laughs> of my house so I can go back and be like, see? See? <laughs> yeah. This is something that's a little more of my nerdy side, but your fight or flight response tricks in um, as a response to your your emotions. So for me, when when I'm angry, my husband's angry, angry I actually feel afraid. Um, I get kind of scared of anger um, from stuff in the past. Like it's, anger is a 
kind of a scary emotion for me to feel and for him to feel. And so we got to take a break from that. But those emotions coming up actually store memory. They all, they can alter the memory that's in your amygdala. So that part of your brain that regulates memory can be influenced by your fight or flight response in your emotions. And it can actually change how you perceived your memory. So fun fact for you. That's why. <laughs> that <laughs> so is why. The question is, Tanisha, which one of us is always right? <laughs> Neither <laughs> of you. Y'all both wrong. <laughs> <laughs> well, I love these three tips. They're fantastic. And I don't think they just apply to love relationships and marriages but they can apply to your relationships with pretty much anyone when it comes to conflict and I'm definitely going to put these into practice with Jerry and I and to kind of add on to these three tips one thing that Jerry and I haven't done as much as we should but one tip that we received from our marriage counselor that we saw in the beginning of our marriage said that when you guys are arguing if you guys can get both calmed down enough to do it it is always really helpful if you can kneel down and say a prayer together before you continue your argument. Mm-hmm. And those times that we were able to get ourselves calmed down enough to do that, even if you're both really angry, it's so crazy that by the end of the prayer, when you say amen, everything else feels so much more small. Mm-hmm. Everything that you're upset about. And truly the spirit can help you come to a better compromise or discussion if you're willing to include the spirit in on those on those arguments. The Lord doesn't want us to have contention in our hearts, but he also does want us to be able to work out things and communicate effectively and be able to talk with our spouses about hard things. And he was never afraid of having hard discussions and we shouldn't either, but we should try to do them with love. And if we include the Lord on those conversations, they will be with love. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that, Brianna. And we hope that with these points that we've brought up today, obviously this isn't the only skills that we can have to help improve our communication. There are so many out there. So before we wrap it up, Tanisha, did you have any last minute thoughts or scriptures or anything you wanted to share with our listeners? I think the main thing that I would share with the listeners is just keep, keep trying and keep doing your best to learn communication over time. And it's okay if you're not perfect. Whether you're in the dating phase, you're engaged, you're married, you can always work on getting better. And I think just support each other and be as humble as you can uh, to listen to the other person and you'll be okay in the long run. I think Heavenly Father does not expect us to have these perfect relationships. We're going to have disagreements. We're going to have fights. We're not going to be perfect communicators. I'm training to be a therapist and I am still not a perfect communicator especially in marriage, it makes things hard. And so I think just do your best and don't give up on yourself and don't give up on your partner. Thank you. Thank you so much for that. And and I'd just like to add on top of that, honesty, honesty being very important, that we be honest with ourselves and where we need to improve and how we can implement some of these things into our own life, whether that's with somebody we're currently dating or how I can use these things when I start dating somebody. This fits for every single part of a relationship. And as you can tell, even into the marriage, where both couples who are speaking to you today are married and still are dealing with these things. I promise you that these type of concepts and contention will creep into your life. Yeah, because you're having a relationship with two completely imperfect people. But in the end, it's worth it. Marriage is worth it. And 
an eternal family is worth it. It's worth the work. It's worth the effort. It's worth the compromise. It's worth the hard work of getting up every day and committing yourself to someone. There's one thing that I loved from an Instagram influencer I follow. Her name is The Bird's Papaya, and she has a lot of really great stuff, but she shared one time that her and her husband always look at divorce as an option, which sounds totally contrary to everything that we believe or we preach as a church. But I love this concept because what she said about this was, if we tell ourselves that divorce is never an option and that we will never leave our partner, then that makes us feel trapped. And that makes us not want to get up every day and work at it and be the best that we can be for our partner and serve them and love them and work out fights and choose every day to work on our relationship. And that's something that I've noticed as I've been married is essential to have a successful relationship. You have to wake up every day and choose your partner, choose to love them. Just like Thomas S. Monson said, you know, you choose your love, love your choice. And you have to love them every day and love that choice every day. And decide that you want to work on this relationship with them every day. And it's worth the fight. And it's so beautiful. But it does require that work and that effort. Okay, so Tanisha, where can our listeners find you? If they want to connect with you on social media or reach out to you, if they have any follow-up questions about this episode, how can they get in touch with you? The best place to find me is on LinkedIn. I like to mentor a lot of people about careers and mental health. And so that's kind of where the easiest way to find me is, is LinkedIn. I check it more often. So I'm just Tanisha Shedden on LinkedIn, just my name. And then you can also find me on Facebook. I'm Tanisha Hayes. I'm okay with people messaging me. I'm also okay with people messaging me on Instagram. It's at Miss Tanisha Renee. And so just know that if you go to my social medias, I might not be as active on them. I don't, you know, I don't get on them as much, but LinkedIn I do and I do check. And so hit me up. Of course, as always, all these links will be available to you in the show notes so that you guys can be able to know where to find our good friend, Tanisha, for any more advice. So thanks again, everybody, for participating in this wonderful podcast. As always, we can never do these podcasts without you faithful listeners. And I guess that's semi-true. We could always do these podcasts, whether nobody's listening. But the reason we keep doing them is because you guys are all listening and giving us your feedback and, and sending more love and questions and concerns to us. And we love answering them. So we're so grateful for those who are listening and we're grateful that you joined with us today. Also, make sure that you guys are up to date with our Instagram as we just started our Matchmaker Mondays. If you're somebody who's looking for love, which is most people listening to this (laughs) podcast, then fill out one of those bios and we look forward to adding you to the page so you can be an eligible bachelor or bachelorette. If you enjoy Single to Sealed, Be sure to invite your friends to help our podcast family grow. If you haven't subscribed, followed, or favorited, be sure you do so you don't miss out on any of our great content. Thank you for joining us today as we help you move one step closer to sealing the deal. We'll We'll see see you next time. time.